0: Now I hope you folks from Canada didn't disappoint me and when you greeted people you went A at the end, right? My daughter, my eleven year old daughter asked me last night, she goes, Hey, uh, there's these people, where are they from? I said, They're from Canada. And she says, Do they talk a different language? <laughs> I said, Well, maybe, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> well, someone told me yesterday that Today is the last Sunday without NFL football until the middle of February. And uh, I said, that's true. This person thoroughly loves NFL football, including the preseason games that really don't matter. But I thought, you know, isn't it true? You sort of come into the fall and things begin to realign. Back to school, whether it's college New student orientation or getting back on your local middle school, high school, or elementary campuses and figuring out who your teacher is going to be and everything that needs to happen. You do your back-to-school shopping, and my goodness, that gets to be expensive. I don't understand why you can't use the same backpack from one year to the next sometimes. But uh, it's not cool anymore. Is that right? Everybody knew it. They had to have a new backpack huh? But uh, there's a lot of realignment that goes on in August. As a pastor, I used to wait until the other side of Labor Day in order to get people back focused in church. It's like, well, let them get acclimated to school. Let them get acclimated to, you know, uh, recovering from their vacations or whatever it is. And then we'll ramp up and gear it up, hit it, hit it hard as a church in September. Then I started to realize that that does not really work because there's the tendency to get engaged in all the kinds of things and let them sort of establish the priority in your life. And why is it that we always see church as getting trumped, as I say, in our priorities? And so I have consistently tried in the last number of years to gather us together, even though I know there's still comings and goings of people. Uh, I, I learned this last year, so you... For folks that are new here this morning. I've only been uh, Southern California now for two years. Actually came two years ago, September. And I, I realized Southern California people continue to take vacations all the way into like the end of September sometimes. So I'm like, okay, then that just doesn't work to wait until after Labor Day. Let's grab a hold. Let's get focused. Let's get in the game. And let's do maybe sort of our own challenge as it relates to an orientation. And so today is sort of a back-to-church orientation day, all right? And part of me wants to just sort of put you into um, uh, a boot camp or a training camp mode. But I think it's helpful for us to get our head back in the game and say, okay, what is it that God's really calling us as a body to be a part of? And what he's calling us to be a part of is his kingdom work. The word kingdom relates to king. And the idea of a kingdom is not territory. It has to do with the reign of a king. Wherever that reign is, there his kingdom is. And that kingdom begins by him being the king, the leader of our life. So the terminology, the kingdom of God, can be sort of confusing. Where is it at? What's going on? Is that when you know, uh, we pass away and our Jesus comes back and that's the kingdom? No, the kingdom of God is wherever the reign of God is at. And so we need to get our heads back in the game because we are called as a local body, as all local bodies are here and around the world that meet in the name of Jesus Christ, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so one of our phrases that we sort of use here at the Awakening as to what we're doing is that we want to see people become fully alive in Christ into his mission. And so during our little back to church orientation day today and we're going to have some family talk time that's just straight on in a little bit. Um, I want us to look at the threshold values for marking success. The threshold values for marking success. I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase threshold values. It's not really a a common phrase. If you're sort of in the scientific world, maybe you pick up on it. But uh, threshold values, you got to understand what the word threshold is. And you may think you understand what the word threshold is. I'm going to carry my bride across the threshold or whatever. You know, where does that come from, the word threshold? Well, actually, the word uh, originated many, many years ago when they uh, had homes. And in their homes, before they had wood floors and even carpet floors, they had slate floors. And slate floors were very slippery. And so what they did, they went and they got some hay out of the barn And uh, another word for hay then was the word thrash, all right? In fact, uh, my uh, father who grew up on a farm, I was a part of a farm, but he always would tell us stories and he would talk about the thrashing machine, which was a machine that existed before a combine machine that would actually go out in the fields. They would go out and gather the crop, the wheat, and then they would take it to a machine called a thrashing machine. And at the end of the thrashing machine, you'd have your grain and you'd have your thrash all right so it was hay and so what they would do is they would take the thrash and they would sort of just sprinkle it around on the slippery floor and at the doorway they would put a little bit of a barrier so the thrash wouldn't get kicked down or trampled on too bad as it walked in and so the thrash hold the thrash hold was a way of retaining all right the value of the thrash so that the floors wouldn't be slippery Many even knew that. I did not know that. That's they're smart people. That's really good. So a threshold has to do with value and being able to retain value. And so then when you start to to hear the term threshold values, it means that there's a certain value, there's a certain level of which something needs to be operated at or contained within for it to be successful. And so I just want to come back and sort of reflect on some threshold values. Now, this word of threshold values has um, been very important to me in the last, uh, I would say, probably, well, it goes back 10 years, I guess. I was in a church conference back in Indiana with a lot of other pastors and, uh, from Christian Missionary Alliance churches, of which we're a part. And they had a guy come and speak, and his name was Dwight Smith. This guy actually used to be a big-time preacher Led a big church here in Southern California, I believe it was, and he took it from nothing to a lot and then went to another church, took it from nothing to be a lot. And um, I was listening to this guy, and this guy started talking about how God convicted him. Is what church about just getting a bigger and bigger gathering of people to hear my golden tongue? Is that what church is about? God really convict him. He ended up resigning, and he became uh, what I refer to as an apostolic-hearted person, did missions work overseas in different places, but was really challenged by what does it mean to have a healthy church? What's the church called to? And he would reference threshold values. And you just need to know this. I didn't like the guy <laughs> because, you see, I was a part of a church movement Um, And our church was growing bigger and we were doing things that God was honoring without question. But there was something internally within me that kept thinking about getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we had services on Sunday morning that definitely would be able to relate to all kinds of people, and I want that to be true in a service such as this. I mean, some of you may be here this morning, you you haven't been in church for a while, and you're like, what's going on here and all this kind of stuff? And and, and that's great. You are at home. This is a safe place to discover God and move forward. We're going to be talking about that. But I, I realized that sometimes on our Sunday mornings, I wasn't focused on some of the threshold values of mobilizing the body of who God calls the church to be like I should. And he was sort of knocking some of the methodologies that we were doing in our church. He he wasn't intentionally doing it, but he was setting out there what the threshold values need to be for a healthy, functioning church, to be God-honoring and glorifying, and sometimes it wasn't aligning with my spirit. It rocked my world so much that I began to rethink what we were doing as a church and realign things. In fact, one of those things was to sort of decentralize. To decentralize and not just see it as getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but to mobilize people. And you've heard me talk about if you've been around here for the last couple of years about how to become missional communities, to be sent out and that kind of thing. And uh, one of the things that was a result of that is we helped to launch and start another church. Uh, in fact, uh, it was about 20 miles away from where we were. It's interesting. When I moved here from Indiana to Southern California, there was a core person and core family that was a part of this church that ended up flipping it, and they moved where I came from and they're a part of that church today the second church that we started a multi-site some of you know her know the family her name's Susie Diaz Susie you stand up Susie's back this morning (laughs) I just gave her greetings make sure you greet her before you head out today and Susie says we love Indiana and I go that's great I love Southern California that's working out well you know But uh, it's just interesting to me that God would uh, flip families a little bit, spend a lot of time just decentralizing, think about what's God calling us to do as a church. And so when I call us back to this back-to-church orientation today, I just want to do a high-level flyover of some threshold values that we need to understand to mark us for success of whoever we are, in whatever body of Christ that we choose to become aligned with and connected with over our years. Is that fair enough? So that's the game plan. High flyover, Nothing too deep and intense here today. And then we're going to culminate it all with some family talk, all right, about where we're at, getting our heads back in the game. We're going to pass out backpacks and everything. Not. And uh, we're, we're going to get back into school. I'm going to pass out syllabuses, though. No. And um, I want us to just... Ask God to enrich our lives as a community as we get an early start, getting back in the game, heading into the fall. And not only for our church, but the churches that are represented here as well uh, from A up north. All right. So here we go. I am going to list for you what is perceived. And these do come from this Dwight Smith Uh, gentlemen, and I've tweaked them a little bit, I guess. But these were uh, some influential things to me. But if you read and you interact a lot with what churches are to be, these sort of align quite well with what many, many people say. Why? Because it comes out of the Bible. It's the book of God, what he intended for the church to be. The first is this. Embrace our intimacy with God. And you heard me talk about this last week, the whole spiritual formation of being able to grow closer To God through an intimate relationship with Him. I have to take stock of this as leader of a church, and you do as well as leaders or participants and encouragers. Are we as a local body not only encouraging it and championing it in verbal tone, but are we implementing and designing what we do as a body to encourage us? To have intimacy with God. Not just to know about God, but to know God. Right? Big difference. A lot of you may know somebody that you feel really cool with that's sort of famous. Right? I, I sort of know him. I could, you know, he recognize me. All right? But there's a big difference between just knowing a person and knowing them. All right? And intimacy is a challenging word, especially for us men. Sometimes when it reflects on our understanding of our relationship with God, really, we would pursue an intimate relationship with God? Well, that's what Scripture is about. That's what Scripture is about. We had a beautiful opportunity to have a memorial service in this very room yesterday for Howard Boucher. And it just turned out really neat. It was warm. Some of you were there and just remembering his life and rejoicing in the hope we have in Christ, reflecting on our own life. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, they, you pull out the pictures of somebody from their years past and you look back there in the black and white ones, and you go, like, oh, wow, I, I, I do sort of see Howard there as that young man. And he was a boxer and he was a Navy and all that kind of stuff. Canadian, right? Yes. Canadian Navy. That's why I knew Woo! Hey! <laughs> So we had a Canadian naval uh, leader that uh, passed on to be with the Lord recently, and we had his memorial service yesterday. But I was thinking of how cool it is to be able to stand at a memorial service and acknowledge someone's life and know that they had a relationship with God. And you don't have to sit and quander, oh, what's next? Or what happens from here on the other side? But to know. And we need to make sure that the threshold value of embracing our intimacy with God and knowing God is front and center. And are we, as I challenged you last week, are you changing from one season of the calendar year to the next? Do you know God better now than you did when school let out? When we crossed the line of faith, and that's not for anybody to judge necessarily. But the question is, you know, is Christ being formed in you, as the apostle Paul stated? Until Christ, I labor. I felt sort of bad last week. I went home every now and then. You, you know how you say something in a conversation? You go, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. And, and I went home last week, and I thought, I looked at those people Sunday morning, and I said, I'm perplexed by some of you. <laughs> If you were here last week, he's like, I'm like, I didn't mean to beat you up. And I had no one in mind other (laughs) than I just know my own life. And, you know, the Apostle Paul was perplexed with people in his day not being formed into the likeness of Christ, not having an intimate relationship with Christ. And he just says, what are you doing? And so also it's appropriate for us to ask one another, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you growing in your intimacy with Christ? So you can take all of last week's talk and put it into value number one, all right? That we as a church need to be exhorting one another, encouraging one another, especially individuals that maybe have never had the opportunity before even to know God and true beyond just the generic name of God or the generic name of Jesus Christ, but they would have the opportunity to know them in a relationship, all right? The individuals that shared yesterday at the memorial service, they'd stand up here. We had an open mic time after the family. And they would share some words about Howard because why? They knew Howard. Do you know Jesus? Could you give a testimony of Jesus? What he's doing in your life? And if not, then... Welcome on in to discover what that might be like to have an intimate relationship with God. Because, friends, this is just rock-bottom truth. You know this. If you study the Scriptures, nobody can approach a holy God. Not because He's mean and vengeful. He's just holy other. You know, we don't have this tearing of, you know, here's the lower created order, and then you work up through your animals, and then you have mankind, and, and then, you know, you have the angels and the cherubim, and then you got God. No, friends, God is totally other. He has created all things. And so he is a holy, just, incredible God. And there would be no way to know God except through Jesus Christ. John says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Moses wanted to see God and God said, nope, you can't take it. You put yourself in the cleft of that rock and I'll show you my hindquarters is what it says because you can't approach God. So God is great and awesome and incredible in His presence like we talked about two weeks ago out of Psalm 139. His presence is everywhere. But we know God and have intimacy with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this church is about. That's what you as a part of this church are about. And not only telling people But showing people with our life, being able to encourage people, spend time with people. When you go and you serve people to be able to build homes, you're being the hands and feet, truly, of Jesus Christ. Greater works than these will you do. When I go to the Father, He sends His Spirit to embody within you, and you become the presence of God to those people. All right? So that's threshold value number one, and we challenge and encourage to embrace our intimacy with God. I put four bullet points underneath there. I'm not an alliterated person normally, but uh, I'm going to use all ease on my five thresholds today. But um, these five things, I want to encourage you in building intimacy with God. We reflected in part on them last week. And the first is that you need to spend time in this book, Scripture. There needs to be Scripture in your life, God speaking to you. There needs to be times of silence with all the noise going on, where you spend time with Him. There needs to be solitude where you're away from all the the crazy busyness of life. All right, And there needs to be a heart that's willing to surrender when the Lord instructs and encourages. And you walk down those paths and many other spiritual disciplines in your life and you become formed into the likeness of Christ. You do those things which Christ Himself did in order to stay in relationship with His Father. All right? So embrace our intimacy with God. The second threshold value is this, to extend our grace story, to extend our grace story. Now, if you open your scriptures and you turn um, to them, and I'm, I don't have scriptures up here today on the slides, but if you were to turn in your scriptures to uh, Corinthians, you would find um, that there is um, a description I'm sorry, I had you flipped to the wrong place. Ephesians um, chapter 3, Paul the preacher to the Gentiles. He says this, and this is Paul telling in part his grace story. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by the revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, that is is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the good news of the coming of Christ's kingdom reign in our lives and all that he has planned for his kingdom into the future, That this mystery, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, those who were non-Jews, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And then verse 7, he says this, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am least, less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past has kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, His intent, God's intent, through all the ages, was that now through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose for which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Each of us have a story. Howard's story yesterday began in 1931, right? That's when he was born. And his eulogy described his story. But a part of his story was the grace of God working in his life. Everyone here has a story. It's only your story. And it may be a story about how you moved here and there. You studied this or that. You accomplished this or that. But in the middle of that story, there's a story of God's grace. Even if you're an atheist today, there's a story of God's grace because your heart was beating this morning when you got up and came here. And you might not even realize it was His grace. But we live in His favor, His grace every day. But there's the special grace that comes and saves somebody who was a sinner who was lost and becomes a follower of Christ. Paul was one of those people. He would torture people who weren't of the Jewish faith the non-christians who were ruining his party affiliation and so he would demean them he would have them thrown in prison he would oversee them even being stoned to death and god came in to the story of paul's life and changed and transformed him not only to save him from his sins and setting on a new path spiritually but to be able to take his life and use it to communicate that story to others. Non-Jews was his assignment, the very people he wasn't doing well with. Everybody has a grace story, and we are called to extend our grace story to other people. And so this church is a failure, if I could say that. If we do not on a regular basis encourage one another, teach and train one another how to extend our grace stories and share them. There were three things that actually happened yesterday. It was sort of fun. We'll see what God was doing in the church. You know, we had the memorial service here, and then uh, the, the Canadian group was hanging out at the pool party, and we were getting to know them a little bit. I was a part of that for a little while. And then a bunch of you ladies, I guess there was like 50 ladies, were at the luau. I'm expecting some video. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: but at the luau, I understand uh, that, Janelle, you shared your story. And my wife came home and she said, Janelle shared her story today at the luau. And she did very well as a communicator in sharing her story. One of these days, maybe we share your story with a larger body here. But your story is a story of God's grace, isn't it? and some of your passion in his life now is to take that story of God's grace in your life and extend it to others. Good for you. Good for Julie and the leadership to be able to say, let's let somebody extend their grace story today. You never know who it touches and impacts. So we as a church... As we get our head back in the game, a threshold value for us is that we are encouraging and training and equipping and giving opportunities one for another and praying for one another to extend their stories out to people who need to have God as a part of their story. So we embrace our intimacy with God. We extend our grace story. And third is we engage our spiritual gifts. We engage our spiritual gifts. Each of us have not only... Uh, been given a story and are seeing a story written through our lives, but we've been uniquely gifted. As surely as each of us looked different here this morning, and God, no matter who you are, uh, has uniquely designed you. All right. Part of that unique design isn't what the exterior is. I know some of you probably are better not tread on this water, but I'm going to, uh, you know, 24 million people watched a cable program this week in the Republican presidential debate. And uh, that was amazing number. numbers, amazing how they walked through that and they got everybody to interact. But one of the most stunning things to me was when Ben Carson answered the question concerning race and as a neurosurgeon. He says, Yeah, people ask me, why don't I spend more time on race relationships? You remember him responding to that question if you watched it? And he says, The reality is, you know, as a neurosurgeon, um, I deal with, you know, uh, the nervous system and the brain and all this kind of stuff. And you imagine what a neurosurgeon does. And he says, I deal with who the real person is. The real person isn't the skin. And I just had to smile because you would if you were a neurosurgeon. Maybe you're a doctor here this morning, and you said, yeah, it's, it's true. You just sort of, you know, look at the human being in a different kind of way. Well, I'm not a neurosurgeon, and I'm not claiming to have any specialness, but when I look at you, I see past the skin, the hair color, the age in which you are. Uh, thank, thankfully, I appreciate people looking past that with me these days. <laughs> And I even look past the nervous system. I'm not the medical kind of guy. In fact, that stuff, I just leave that to other people uh, and all the organs and that. But I look into a person and I say, how has God gifted them? Gifted them to be involved in what he's doing on this earth. And do we engage our spiritual gifts as a body of people, and discover those. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, and you might be familiar, the whole passage is laid out there now about spiritual gift, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. Here's Paul, still doing it, threshold value back there in the first century. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, excuse me, you were influenced and led astray to mute to idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So, what he's acknowledging here is that, friends, if you are a Christ follower, if the grace stories worked in your life, something's happened to you. The God of the universe, who came here through his Son, Jesus Christ, who has ascended back into heaven, who sent his Spirit to be back in your life, you've been invaded by his Spirit. And it's not scary. Well, it's scary unless you want to be in total control of your life, I guess. But the Holy Spirit has invaded your life, and the Holy Spirit has brought with him unique gifts for you to be able to serve his purposes. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by that same Spirit. To other gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Have you engaged the gifts given to you by the invasion of the Holy Spirit in your life? And we need to be helping one another not only discover them. I've been through a lot of gift inventories. I want this church to be one who not only discovers, oh, I think that might be my gift, but one who sees them exercise and practice together in a beautiful orchestration, a harmony, a blended uh, symphony of music where we see the different instruments that God's placed within our body coming together to serve the kingdom purposes of God. So we as a church, a threshold value for us is that we would challenge and encourage and engage, obediently take up what, you know, maybe we don't know for sure what the gift am hey, might maybe not, but engage in service to God. How did you open your gifts at Christmas? How do you open them now? I remember once I heard about somebody who they pass out all the gifts to each kid, and then they just say, "Go." That's not how we did it. I thought that is sacrilegious. I thought, <laughs> you hand down a gift, and that person opens the gift, and then the next person opens the gift, and the next person gets, and then you have all the rest of the gifts under the tree, and somebody is the little elf, and they sort of pass <laughs> out the gifts. Right? That's how our family did it. And so you may have discovered, hey, I've got this really cool toy, you know, something I always wanted. But you know, you've got a couple more coming. You haven't unwrapped those gifts yet. Friends, that's what it's like in discovering the gifts that God's given you. Some of you don't know what the gifts are still underneath your Christmas tree. But the Holy Spirit, when He came in your life, He brought all the gifts. And some people, they may have a gift. and say, thanks, good. I'll see you guys later. You're wait, wait a second. There's a whole bunch of other gifts here God's given you to use. Don't you want to open those gifts? I think it's an area that we probably need to do better on as a church in helping you engage and explore and understand your gifts. So that's threshold value number three that needs to be operating within a church as we head back to church. Number four is to experience Christ-like relationships. Every one of these, right? We could do a whole series on. For this, I take you to not the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, and here the Apostle Paul says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, who's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit, the one that came and invaded you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. All those, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, patience. There's something unique about all those fruits of the Spirit, the one Spirit. You really can't see those fruits unless you're in relationship one with another. They're relational fruits sort of hard to practice those in solitary confinement, right? We need to encourage one another in our body to experience Christ-like relationships by seeing the fruit of the Spirit operate in our lives one to another and to those who are outside our community of current friendships. And how do we do that? Because we grow in our intimacy with God As we grow in our intimacy with God, as we allow him to continue to write his grace story in our lives, and we seek to use uh, the gifts that he's given us, we engage with others by allowing his spirit to overflow with us. It's the spirit who carries those gifts. I was like, hey, can I go to Costco or maybe a Walmart and pick some of those off the shelf? Nope, you can't. The deep riches of those fruits we just listed can only come from the vendor and the vendor is the Holy Spirit. So as you walk more closely with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to, I mean, to yield to him on a daily basis in the heat of the moment when you want to spew back some words that probably aren't good to be spewing back, right? Whatever it may be. You're saying, okay, now I'm going to yield not to my sinful nature, which is what Galatians is all about right there. When he's talking about I'm going to yield not to my sinful nature. I'm going to yield to the spirit that dwells within me and allow those gifts to operate through me. And it's not easy. It's a work all the way until the day that we pass on to be with the Lord. But in that, we have to cultivate rigidly, sometimes systematically, definitely, hopefully, enthusiastically, cultivate Christ-like relationships, one with another, beginning in our marriage, our family, our extended family, our mutual friends. Our neighbors, our co workers, our enemies. And we need to challenge one another because I tell you what, there is no one in this room that can't improve somewhere on that one. Trust me, I have a relationship with you. I was teasing. And you have a relationship with me. That'll be my perplexed regret when I go home today, I'm sure. The last threshold value for a successful back-to-church orientation is this. Number five, expand our kingdom influence. Let me put up these bullet points. I stayed with S's here for you so you could remember them, right? Seeking, serving, sharing, and supporting. The kingdom of God, the king who dwells within us, the king who will come and reign and establish his physical reign on this earth with a new heaven, new earth someday, he desires for his kingdom to be expanded into all parts of the world. And what is our participation in the influence of that? It's at this time um, that I want to invite my wife to come up. We're going to have a little bit of family talk. The idea of seeking is that we would actively seek where we can influence taking our gifts through the fruit of the Spirit and be able to exercise um, God's will. And uh, you have to aggressively seek. And maybe somebody you need to influence. maybe an area of service you can be a part of. And um, from the seeking, then, is the whole idea that we would um, begin sharing who we are, that we would serve one another. And uh, ultimately, embedded in that, and we'll go into it, is a deep aligning our lives, even our financial world, so that we can support the expansion of God's kingdom around the world. What I'd like to do is I'd like to take some moments, and this isn't the, uh, okay, this is the uh, recruiting talk. <laughs> I hope you understand it that way, that it's not that. But a burden resides upon us as um, husband and wife. We've been in ministry how many years, huh? A long time since we got married. One of the reasons I married my wife and she married me was not only because of a mutual love we had for one another and a mutual love we had for Jesus, uh, we love serving Jesus and uh, very grateful for that because there's a lot of people that don't have that in their marriage because it requires some radical realignment and prioritization of your lives. But I want to walk through a few things related to maybe how we can move this out in a um, seeking, serving, sharing, supporting kind of manner. Um When you came in this morning, uh, you were given this card, and I hit this last week, and I just want to come back to it. As we head into the fall and we realign what we're doing, some of the syllabus that's before you, is we are moving to a Wednesday night opportunity for not uh, only adults, but also with children that we're going to be talking about. My wife is a children's director here at the church. And we are uh, encouraging you to consider being a part of Rooted as an adult. And I shared on this last week. It says this on the card. Rooted provides the opportunity to connect with God, the church, family, and your purpose in unexpected life-changing ways. The Rooted experience redefines how people live life and view their relationship with God and others, giving context to what it means to be a part of something bigger. You will begin to see God in new ways as he invites you to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. A life marked by community, authenticity, and generosity. Rooted is a journey of 10 weeks. The second thing I sort of regretted when I went home last week was I challenged you to consider being a part of Rooted on Wednesday night for 10 weeks this fall. And I told you there was a high bar of commitment. And what I felt bad about, in part, was I wanted to make sure you know that there's a commitment to be a part of Rooted. And and if you can't make that commitment, or whether because you really can't align your life that way, or it's not the season you're to do it, or or maybe you're you're just distracted with other things, um, uh, then that's that's all okay, I guess. But I, I really want you to prayerfully consider going on this journey, because this experience... Um, has to do with your intimacy with God. It has to do with embracing your grace story. It has to do with, you know, experiencing what your spiritual gifts are and walking into Christ like relationships more. It takes those things and puts it front and center. It is an opportunity for you to be formed into the likeness of Christ. Live your lives in Jesus Christ, rooted and built up in Christ, rooted and established in his love. So I want you to consider being a part of Rooted. You can sign up on this card. You can turn it in. When we receive the offerings, give it the welcome desk. Or you can go online. It's now online, and you can go to our website and register. So all that I said last week, if you weren't here, um, it's sort of on this card, embracing you, encouraging you to consider devoting time this fall. All right? And it describes something, what to expect on there. And if the little fee is a problem, you come let me know, because I don't want it to be a problem. But on Wednesday nights, we're not only going to have Rooted, we are also going to have something called Kids Company. And my wife is now going to share with you about Kids Company, but before she does that, there's this video clip that she showed me this week. that I said, huh, I just got to show that before you start talking about Kids Company. It'll be familiar to some of you. Some of you have maybe seen it. It comes from America's Got Talent. Ooh. Is that the show? Oh, I can't wait to see. My butt is open the <whistles> Oh, imagine how a car can be in the Oh, I'm telling wow. you. Wow. You know, when I was uh, a little boy, not much older than you, if you can imagine that, Heavenly, I used to watch uh, Shirley Temple in yeah. movies on I TV. Watched that. You watch that too? Yes. You know, I think Shirley Temple is living somewhere inside of you. Is that possible? Because.
1: Well, not Shirley Temple, Jesus. Oh, that's great. That's great. I can't watch that enough. Do I have a microphone that works? That's the
0: dead one. Sorry.
1: I cannot watch that enough. It makes me laugh every time. I love the testimony of a tiny little girl. Her name is Heavenly Joy. And she knows who dwells within her. Um, Good job to that mom and dad for sure. Um, Kids Company. Um, this is actually a revival of Kids Company. Um, I did Kids Company about 12 years ago in Indiana uh, when my big boys were little boys. And um, it was something that was um, a wonderful tool to reach our community. Um, we had families who were interested in having their children involved in a musical experience. Um, and uh, they would come from the community. We would hold auditions for special parts, and many of the parts were given to children who were in the community, and we loved it. Um, it was a wonderful kind of back door into the church. And, um, and what we do during Kids Company is um, we have a musical practice on Wednesday nights um, from beginning September 9th. Um, And uh, it's for 12 weeks. And then on December 5th and 6th, we'll be doing our performances. Um, And uh, it's a great Christmas musical time. On Wednesday nights, we also will have um, not just rehearsing for the musical, but we have some small group time. And that small group time is um, great for spiritual um, enrichment for our children. Um, especially those kids who are from the community who maybe don't have that in their lives it's really truly a wonderful opportunity so um, we invite you to be a part of that um, for your families I am trying to recruit help outside of the church um, so if you know of a teenager or a young adult who would be um, would like to volunteer their time um, this fall um, it's great for community service for some of the the teenagers that need that for high school, um, and uh, we are—we're—we're we're just really excited about this coming. Sarah Baker actually is partnering with me. Uh, yay, Sarah! <laughs> and uh, it's going to be—it truly is going to be a great time. So um, we're hoping Tuesday the registration form will be online um, on our website. And um, one experience that I had during um, Vacation Bible School this year is that lots of community people um, signed up right away, but our church people waited <laughs> to sign up. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity, um, and this is for children kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, I've never extended it to uh, middle school children before, Um But this is a great opportunity for the middle school kids to be an example for the younger children in the choir. So we're really excited about that coming up here pretty soon.
0: I'm really excited about it because I've watched my wife operate in her zone before with this. Her heart for worship, her heart for kids, her heart for music, and her heart for Jesus come together. And I would encourage you to uh, definitely have your kids involved in it. I know sometimes our kids are like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do, Dad, is be a part of something like that. It's more than just the musical production and the building of Friends is all part of that too. And, uh, you know, if there's a passionate burden on somebody's heart here like there um, was um, with Sarah Baker to, to help and support you, yeah, please come talk.
1: Right absolutely. Here. We are in need of a dance instructor. And, um someone to work with the cast, um, so a drama instructor as well. Um, Love to use young adults for that, so um, if you know of anyone, please um, get them in contact with me very quickly.
0: (laughs) Because it's all starting and the the introductory meeting on September 9th is huge. Uh, We'll be getting promotional out on this and some school systems, hopefully, as well as some direct marketing through Facebook and other kinds of things. We really want to see this used as an outreach opportunity. And uh, as we begin to minister into children's lives, God can reach the whole family and the whole home and then reach neighbors and other things. So it's us extending uh, and the influence of the kingdom of God.
1: And we're partnering this with the Rooted um, Discipleship um, experience as mm-hmm. well. Um, uh, kids company will be from 630 to 8 um, with child care provided to 815 for those that are involved in Rooted.
0: Okay, cool. It's almost like I want to turn it into an open meeting and interact, but then we won't get out of here and so maybe <laughs> we've got some dinner plans. All right, uh, Melissa has uh, taken on the reins uh, from Julie Cox, who faithfully led our children's ministry until her and Joe launched a new ministry and uh, during Treasure that they're running. And you've had those reins now for six, seven eight. months. Oh, eight months. not that. <laughs> and, uh, my this great, is my eighth month. There you go. So my gracious wife stepping into that to help lead us in children's ministry has been huge, but uh, we're getting realigned here for the fall in the backpack world uh, for our Sunday morning experience, too. Can you just do a a high fly over here with a few of these slides to just inform us all again how the children's ministry plays its way out that runs simultaneously at the time that you're here in the other building next door?
1: Um, Absolutely. I need the next slide, if I could, please. Oh, that's that's our, I I didn't reveal the name of the musical. The musical is Mystery of the Manger. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the gospel truth. Um, So that's about Kids Company. So, next slide,
0: please. It's got some apologetics in it. That's what I want It to does. It musical. does.
1: <laughs> I can't read off of the back wall, so I'm going to have to read over here. <laughs> okay, so True Blessings um, is um, for children ages two and a half through pre-kindergarten. And um, it teaches children that God made them, that God loves them, and God is with them. And um, we have a wonderful volunteer, Shannon Hardy, um, who... Um, Gets the curriculum together for this group. Um, she's in need of a bin filler um, throughout the week, so it's a weekday thing. You don't have to work with the um, children if that's not something that you you want to do. But we need bin fillers um, so that we can get all of the supplies ready for. Um, the teachers on Sunday mornings. Um, and, and that p-
0: True Blessings is actually for the infants through to?
1: Um, actually, uh, nursery is separate. N- in nursery, okay. we are just caregiving
0: okay. and
1: doing a um, wonderful job with that. We so do, if you need to
0: get your baby fixed.
1: Yes, if you, know. you need a, a baby fix, there's actually one opening for that. And then um, we wouldn't um, turn anyone away because we often need subs, subs for there as well. Um, so True Blessings is for children two-and-a-half through pre-kindergarten. And then we have True Wonder, and that is for our kindergarten and first graders. And um, they, uh, True Wonder piques the natural curiosity of preschool and kindergarten age children and invites them to experience the wonder of who God is. And that group is exploding. We have a very large kindergarten class from last year. That um, most of them are staying in uh, kindergarten again this year. So, that classroom is a very full, very active, very lively, fun class to be involved in. And we need, um, we are in need of a volunteer for the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, I love to use student volunteers for um, the second person in the classroom. So, if you are a student and are interested in that, please contact me. You can come talk to me directly or you can email me. At Melissa at TheAwakeningChurch.tv um, But we are in, in need immediately for that, for that. Um, I've been kind of moving people around to get that accomplished um, Next we have um, True Story And this is for our elementary age children grades um, 2 through 5 And True Story reveals God's incredible plan to elementary age children And invites them to be a part of it and um, I, I have to say I've raised, um, I feel like we're raising two families because we have two adult children and um, two younger children. And um, sorry, Levi. <laughs> and uh, our 11-year-old, I think, in the true curriculum has learned more about the chronological um, Uh, the Bible chronologically than our older boys did um, in curriculums that we've used before. It truly is um, a wonderful experience for these kids. We um, currently have two openings, um, but we would not reject anyone who wanted to work with elementary school kids. So if we have more interest, that would be wonderful. Um, So... um, and. And we have a very large group of fifth graders who are graduating into the youth group this year. And that brings us to the next slide. We're introducing True Identity. And True Identity is beginning this fall um, for middle school youth grades six through eighth. It's a Sunday school class that will happen on Sunday mornings. And um, it's still very much a youth group. They're, you know they are definitely a part of the youth group but we want to continue what they're learning in um, they've learned all throughout our children's ministry um, and moving to true identity and I love the name true identity for children in this age group. Um, true identity empowers students to own their faith as they seek to respond God, respond to God, finding their own identity in him. And if you've hung out with middle school kids, finding your identity, wow, it's a big deal. And um, so we have um, an immediate need for building a team um, of middle school Sunday school teachers on Sunday mornings. If that is something that that makes your heart beat, don't contact me, contact Carrie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I appreciate you going and running with that slide, but... uh, uh, Melissa will not be overseeing that world uh, you can actually uh, be in prayer for us we have another board meeting on Tuesday night and we're just really praying that God would lead us into some directions with some new youth leadership uh, Josh and Tiff have faithfully served there stepping in to fill a gap for a period of time but uh, we're seeing you know God what would you have us to do there but We're not waiting for how God leads that way. We really believe that because of our children's ministry, the needs of middle school in particular, that we want to adopt and run with this curriculum on a Sunday morning. And there is no one, no one currently assigned to do this. But this is where I rely upon you, who have possession of the Spirit in your life, who are willing to surrender. And there will be some surrender to it to say, I want to take up the mantle and help serve on a team, at least two people per week, and we can rotate two per Sunday, that would walk our middle school students through the beauty of the True Identity curriculum. You know, they tell me in youth ministry, and I used to be in youth ministry a lot, that youth ministry today really isn't high school. You've got to reach them in the middle school, and maybe even earlier. And we have a significant group of fifth graders now that are sixth graders here starting this week in their school systems, and we want to be there for that team would you prayerfully consider being a part of this team and letting me know or give some correspondence to that effect? Because we need this team formed quickly. This is around the corner, and we want to launch it here in September. So true identity, uh, you'd serve once a month. Uh, You would be tagging with somebody else, and you'd be helping us frame up and build some of the health of our youth ministry as we continue to pray about God's direction and where that can run.
1: Um, We will be promoting children um, to their next grade or the next class next Sunday. Um, Some of your children will stay in the same classroom in the children's ministries. Others will move on. We are inviting the current, I guess they're sixth graders this week. (laughs) Um, If they would like to stay in children's ministries through the month of August, they are welcome to do that. Um, Or they can come sit in service with you. Um, for the rest of the month of August um, until prayerfully we get this, uh, a team set up for September.
0: Thanks for that explanation. And um. your seat backs, so when everybody pull this card out. There should be enough, hopefully. This is first serve, but it relates to some of the needs that are represented here. If you would take this, you can run through a list of opportunities there, but there is specifically in here the student ministries team, you can mark that. That would help us know you have. And you just put middle school beside that or MS beside that. You can also kids live team. And if you want to do kids company, just put kids company there or whatever. Um, maybe there's some other areas that you feel God would have you serve in as we extend our spiritual gifts to forwarding the kingdom of God here on earth, locally, and around the world. Sound good? And we're going to receive these then when we receive the Lord's offerings, which we're getting ready to do here a little bit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I have one other announcement related to us being a community. And I'm pretty jazzed about this one. We have an app for the church. You can go on Google Store or your Apple Store and you can download. Some of you are going to start doing that now right here as we worship. And the Awakening Church is what you need to search for in the store. And there's a couple, three other Awakening Churches, I think, but uh, you'll be able to recognize, hopefully, our logo there. But uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the coming weeks. But this is helping us to continue to be able to not be cool, uh, but to be able to communicate and interact with one another and all that's going on. And uh, it's not quite done yet. Uh, the picture will be changing interchangeably in and out different weeks maybe Uh, but there's a few things listed there one of them i think that's that you'll probably pretty well like is underneath resources and we might put a button on the on the front screen is bible and uh, the U version of the bible which has all different kinds of versions it's the most uh, uh, well-known mobile app for the bible will be right there so when you have a sunday like today when the pastor didn't put the words on the slide and you didn't bring a bible physically you can pop out your smartphone and just go and look at the bible but uh, we're hoping to get the sermons loaded on there the uh, connection points also being able to connect also with other people within the church and so we're developing this and uh, we are excited about launching it so this is sort of a soft launch just if you wanted inside information and uh, so the awakening church and that is where the app is I want you uh, to seriously be involved in what God's doing for us as a church. Um, Our new church orientation uh, is now over for today. Uh, But we will continue to come back and champion what God's calling us to do as a local body here in the Temecula Valley uh, for this fall run. And I invite you to join us in prayer and join us with your hands and your feet Uh, There's nothing greater, I think, than to seeing God use your life to impact other people's life. But it takes a decision and a step of obedience. So with that, the worship team is going to close us out with a song. And uh, the ushers are going to come to receive the tithes and offerings as well as your connection card and these first serve cards.